Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. I'm Jason Stein, publisher of Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive from Monday, March 1st. If one assumes that operating an established business in a pandemic was an enormous lift, try launching a brand from scratch, or launching vehicles, or establishing yourself as a new EV alternative in a market about to be crowded with similar players. Welcome to Polestar's journey over the last 12 months. A year ago, Polestar was on track to use 2020 as a launching point for the brand owned by Volvo. Its sleek, quick new vehicles were set to roll and plans were in motion to create excitement around a whole new way of doing business. Retail operations would be as unique as the vehicles that were in those stores. Throw in some hefty tariffs on Chinese vehicles, a major software recall, and COVID, and things slowed considerably. There was a lot to learn in 2020. After launching in early fall, Polestar is now recalibrating for a new year, a new test of the market, and its retail stores. With more vehicles on the way and big ambitions in multiple U.S. cities, Polestar believes it has cleared the hurdles and moved on to an important next step. Today, it's announcing an expansion of its retail presence across the United States, with plans to open new locations in 15 cities by the end of 2021. To tell the Polestar story and the story of the last 12 months, we've reached North American leader Greg Hembro in New Jersey. Greg, it's a pleasure. How are you? I'm good, Jason. Yourself today? Doing well. Um, I I think our audience needs a little bit of a 101 on your plans. You've certainly created enough headlines over the course of the last year or so, but give us a bit of an update to start off with. Um, what, Absolutely. Yeah, what's, what's the first year been like for you? 2020 has been a year like I don't think anybody could ever predict or anybody could believe, as you can imagine. Um, we had very robust plans to enter into the marketplace. We had significant um, uh, timelines put together. And obviously with COVID, um, everything sort of changed what 2020 looked like for us. Um, you know, I could start back and taking a little bit about what March 2020 looked like and how we started closing the office because of COVID and all the repercussions of that. But I think what's most interesting and most telling is, is that despite this all, um, we were still able to maintain track on delivering vehicles to customers in 2020. So things such as our, our space partners, which is our retail network, were continuing on track. We were able to witness uh, two spaces within the Bay Area, both Corte Madera and San Jose, along with Los Angeles, as well as New York City, all open um, and start delivering cars to customers, both Polestar 1s and Polestar 2s within calendar year 2020, despite all the head headwinds. Um, it wasn't a year without learning, and um, I'll share a little bit about that as we go forward as well. Yeah, tell me a little bit about, I mean, tell me tell me what you learned. I, nobody goes into a launch year in the midst of a pandemic, um, but, but what have you taken from it? We, we took a lot. I mean, one of the things was, is I believe we underestimated how how long it takes to get a franchise network together. We were fortunate enough to have some very good retail partners. Um, as the pandemic came about, a lot of these 
partners did what they should have done to begin with is, is that they made sure that their employees and that their core business was uh, first and foremost before taking on another franchise such as Polestar. So first and foremost was making sure that their, 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 their profitability, their staff, that their core business remained solid. And to that end, we had a few things that were put in delays. In fact, we, we actually had two locations that were put on hold as well. But some of the learnings, again, was really about how long it took to put a franchise network together. And that came from not only what I'm just speaking about, but also we underestimated, um, again, how much the, the role the OEM had to play in creating that network. Um, and moving forward, uh, there's a lot of things that we're going to be moving forward and changing a little bit of direction on, not from a strategy point of view, but uh, the way that Polestar as an organization is going to help our future partners as we go along. For one, we're building up the organization tremendously. Um, we realized that we were um, probably understaffed in the in the field representation roles. Um, we need to have more boots on the ground to help our Polestar spaces get up and get running. Um, and at the same time period, we need more people here at headquarters to help out at the same same time. And then the last component of this is that if we looked at the supply chain, it was very easy to really indicate all the bottlenecks that we would see within the supply chain. Things of such having vendors within Europe versus having local suppliers. So as we move forward, we'll start bringing on more local suppliers. So once we identify a new partner in a key city, the, the longevity between shaking hands with them to actually activating them is going to be tremendously reduced. You're a Volvo guy. You've been a Volvo guy in and, uh, in and around the organization uh, pretty much for the last 20 years. What are you learning from or taking from Volvo that you're applying to this experience right now? What, what, I've, what I take away is, is the importance of a, of a, of a good network partner. Um, I know there's a lot of OEMs or new OEMs that are decided to go about this a different way than, than Polestar has elected. Um, and for me, a lot of the things that I have learned and I've coveted by having a strong retail partner over the last um, 20 something years within Volvo is one of the things that I brought to me within Polestar is, is that in the U.S. and the Canadian marketplace, we will continue with a franchise network system because this is a two-way street. I mean, I think that a perfect relationship is what can we learn from them? They're very, very good at understanding uh, what their local customers need, what their local customers demand. And, and those are things that regardless of how good our market data is and how good our market intelligence department is, by having a, a robust partner on the other end is something that um, that I say is one of the foremost things that I bring with me from my previous roles. So let's talk a little bit about retail expansion. You have plans uh, to obviously uh, in increase the number of locations. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What, where would you like to be within a year? From a from a from a showroom count, the goal by the end of 2021 would be just to have about 20 showrooms nationwide. Right now, we're at four. Um, four was always the plan for 2020, as I shared with you before. We, we've gone into very EV-friendly markets and EV-forward markets as our first pass. But the plan was always to be as we moved into 2021, and once the bedrock of that is finalized, which it now has, we would expand into incremental markets. So we see ourselves being at about 20 spaces by the end of 2021. 
And those locations are locations that we take a look at for many, many reasons. Not only are they growing EV infrastructures, not only do they have a demographic of a customer that obviously fits a Polestar type of customer, they have a psychographic very aligned with the Polestar product. But lastly is through our digital model, we're really trying to understand and very successfully able to do that is where the hand raisers are coming from. Where are we starting to see demand percolate from people coming onto our website and learning more about the product to signing up to our CRM lists or keep me informed list to lastly configuring vehicles. And through those mechanisms, we're really trying to, and again, going forward with an understanding of where our next spaces will be. From a geographical point of view, um, we're going to be focusing on the markets such as, just as an example, very quickly we'll be in the Boston market, Austin, Texas market, Denver. And then you can see ourselves again going into Southern California, such as Orange County, um, Miami, Florida, uh, the Dallases, the lower Connecticut's. Um, those are places that will be tier one type cities at the end of 2021. So just about 20 locations from coast to coast. And by the end of 22? 2022, we see ourselves adding another 10 to 15. Um, again, I've, I've, I want to make sure that we remain, that all our spaces remain profitable. One of the components of profitability is continuing to have good throughput. So we will not be putting spaces on top of spaces. We want to make sure that we grow where the demand is going to be and the business is. But clearly, by adding another 10 to 15, we're already starting to see tier two type of cities. Um, that are growing their EV infrastructure, that are growing, obviously, their demand. And, you know, as an example, Houston's, the Portland, Oregon's, um, the Detroit's, those are all markets you're starting to see percolate with EV interest and EV demand from not only from uh, EV, but also more specifically engaging within the Polestar brand. So by the end of 2022, to answer your question, you should see us about 30 to 35 showroom locations coast to coast. Hmm, okay. Tell me a little bit about dealer interest. What are you hearing in the marketplace for a franchise? Well, we, we've had incredible amount of hand raisers for Polestar. I've been very, very lucky. Hmm. It's interesting. We've we've made a decision early on that we would align ourselves with with Volvo dealers for, for many of the efficiencies that we can see within everything from service, um, as an example, to again these are these are retail partners that we know and 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 are. Our partner company, Volvo, has made investments in, and likewise, they've made investments in Volvo. The interesting thing is also I, my phone rings constantly from, from outside the Volvo network of people interested in Polestar. So for now, we continue on track of working solely with the Volvo retail network. But to answer your question, we, we, we've had a, a very big interest as we've announced that we're going to go on to arguably what we call phase two of our market expansion, and those are the 15 and then the extra ones in 2022. So lots of people are very interested in, 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 in joining the Polestar franchise. And we're working quite quickly on going through and meeting with all of them on a one-on-one -on -one basis, bringing them through the business model, bringing them through the product portfolio. And at the end of the day, making sure that it's a good matrimony between both of us. Will you look outside the Volvo retailer network? I don't think so at this point. I don't think so. Again, okay. I'll go back to, uh, uh, again, the, the the Volvo network is one that we know of. It's one that's made investments in, in, in Volvo and our partner. 
And to that end, I think that the synergies that we can gain by, by being uh, with the Volvo dealer network as uh, the proprietors of also the Polestar franchise is one that's a beneficial for both parties. We'll hear more from Polestar's North American leader, Greg Hembro, after this. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory, sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. And I want to emphasize too these. I mean, the Polestar spaces, uh, as as they've been come to be known, are, are designed to give customers the opportunity to experience the company without the pressures that come from a traditional automotive dealership, as Polestar has stated. What do you mean by that? What we mean by that is first, I should state that we are a digital forward brand. The customer can come on to Polestar dot com and actually learn about the product, configure the product carry out the transaction online with a retail partner in the back end of that, uh, assess their trade-in, and all the way down to actually have the car delivered to their front door. So everything is from a digital forward process. The Polestar Spaces is a way that a customer can come in and verify or validate the product. So as an example, if they do want to engage in a test drive, um, they can come to the Polestar Space. They can actually take a test drive of the product. They can actually see the different colors of the material that we have to offer on the inside of the vehicle. They can see the different color chips. They can actually speak to a space uh, ambassador and learn more about the product and also look at their options and packages or whatever it might be. So it would be a, a place of product verification, for lack of a better term. It's also a place where we actually have a high level of consumer engagement. Naturally, as Polestar is growing their brand and the brand awareness by having these Polestar spaces in a highly foot trafficked area allows us to also intercept customers uh, and get them to learn about the brand and learn more about the product when perhaps they're not really in a car buying process. So we also have a uh, that space is basically doing double duty, not only as validation, verification, test drives, if you will but also an ability to engage consumers who don't know about the brand yet, but will stop in and learn more about what this new electric vehicle. As the company becomes more mainstream and achieves a bit more economies of scale or, or scales up, if you were, um, do you see a future, 
Greg, where Polestar vehicles can be retailed inside Volvo stores? I don't. I don't. We're different companies. I believe that we have different ways that we're going to the marketplace. Um, and primarily right now is, is our view going forward is, is that, uh, you know, Volvo will run their Volvo retail experienced retailers in, in, in a one direction, which um, continues to have a very different business model in many respects than we do. Um, a Polestar space is a place that does not have inventory. It does not have a service facility. It really is a showroom and a showroom uh, and a place to take test drives. We will continue being digital forward uh, where, again, if a customer wants to transact with us, we'll deliver the car from the port to the Polestar space in, in a matter of about seven to 10 days, maybe a little bit longer, uh, depending on the variant or the color they're looking for. Um, and I think that Volvo has uh, a continued forward-facing view that um, they probably want to continue in the way they are. I think it's a good question for the Volvo team as well to answer on how they want to handle that. Sure. For us, Polestar will continue with Polestar spaces solely going forward. And this is obviously a little ways down the road here, but could the used car retail strategy also be digital? I believe so. I think that that is going to be a a market differentiator, uh, Jason. The ability for us to actually be able to remarket a vehicle while a customer is still driving it, um, or while a car is still within a service loaner or courtesy car demo usage, I think that that is actually a, a, an opportunity to be a differentiator in the market to go forward. There's many, many business ideals around that and why we as uh, Polestar will continue actually moving towards that type of initiative. Greg, tell me about the market reaction to the Polestar 2. What's that been like? The product has been very well received. I think that you just have to pick up a few of the uh, motoring journals, uh, lifestyle journals, technology journals, whatever it might be, and see that everything from the style uh, of the vehicle, the versatility of the vehicle, and lastly, but maybe the most important, is the innovation that this car brings. The infotainment system has been uh, the accolades around it and the advent of using Google and Google Assistant has been a win for us. I think that also talking about the uh, the reception that we have around the vehicle, about the fit and finish and the quality and how well the car has been put together, I'd be remiss if I haven't taken that uh, into the comments as well. So from a product perspective, um, again, very, very well received. Um, when we speak to our customers, uh, again, they appreciate also the customer journey they've been through. This new type of buying uh, where they can actually go online, configure the vehicle, and handle every transaction without actually going into a showroom if they don't uh, decide to. And they could do everything from having the car delivered to their house to even if a consumer needs the car picked up, they can actually do it digitally as well for servicing. Again, it's early days, but it's validation to our, to, to our strategy is actually really starting to show um, a lot of verification. Additional variants of the Polestar 2 are expected this year. It's likely that will bring the sticker price down. What will that do to U.S. volumes for you? Well, naturally, every time you bring something else into the marketplace, the goal is always to grow. <laughs> you want to sell more, right? Exactly. And to that end, we, we have we, we have a strategy where, you know, the first year we launched the intro package, which obviously we know the target customer is the one that's the early adopter. And 
would opt for something that's all encompassing with really no options on the vehicle other than a sports package and perhaps an accessory here or there. As we move into the latter half of the year, there will be some additional variants. Um, I think that's a perfect opportunity for you and I to get together again in the future to talk about what those variants are. But naturally, you would imagine that it would obviously open the lens for a greater interest in the brand um, while offering product at different price points where a customer maybe wasn't a customer for us before. Indeed. Tell me what it's been like for you. I mean, I we began this conversation talking about the pandemic, but I want to know, you know, given all of your experience in uh, various functions and markets and now leading this initiative, what's it been like for you? I've learned more over the last 24 months than I have over the last 24 years. I, I know that's a cliche, but it's really, I've had to unlearn a lot of things and relearn a lot of new things. Um, specifically, <clears throat> two and a half years ago, coming from uh, from um, you know a, a very good organization that's revered, I think, in many ways, to coming out and meeting with retail partners and explaining that we're not going to have inventory that we're going to retail cars in a digital process. We're even going to be looking at remarketing cars in the digital process. And lastly, it's going to be an EV vehicle. Um, to go from that uh, all the way back in late 2017 to actually navigating everything over the last 24 months and really showing that our strategy um, was, you know, let's, we, we got an A, I think, as far as product and the strategy goes. Um, but learning how to do it and the right way to do it in a local market such as the U.S. and Canada, um, and also bringing the retail partners into this and making sure that they were part of the process, that we anchored their beliefs, that they understand, they understood our strategy, and then at the same time we had that mutual respect that we are going into a new, very very unknown entity with you know digital retailing and EV vehicles. Let's face it. Myself nor my retail partners had no experience on that as well. But it was the conviction all along over the last 24 months that we were doing the right thing. Um, and it's interesting, you know, we talked about COVID a few times during this, during this, uh, this, this discussion. You know, one thing that COVID has shown us was, is, is that uh, our retail partners are extremely resilient and so are our consumers. But this digital process where consumers are okay to buy a vehicle online, that they do not need to go into a showroom and see a selection of 40 different vehicles to make the decision, and that they don't need to drive out that afternoon with a product, and that they can actually wait and have it delivered to their car, to their house. Excuse me. Um, it was really, again, going back to validation or verification that this strategy was going to work. Yeah, you're almost hitting at exactly the right time, right? Because when we talk about retailers across the country, the one theme that's come up in any conversation uh, has been the rapid advancement of the digital retailing model. It's all, it's all anybody wants to focus on right now. And that's exactly where you're focused. It is. We've been very lucky. Again, I go back to, we started with this in 2017 and it took a lot of discussions how to get this right. Um, and I think that the one thing that, you know, if there's any silver lining about the pandemic, um, which is, you know, there's not many of them, but if there is mm -hmm. one, it's it's it was actually it's the learnings that we take along with this, and that was one of them. Well, thank you so much for updating us and uh, sharing your story. We will be watching with great interest, Greg. Thank you. 
we reached poll stars Greg Hembro in New Jersey. And that's Daily Drive for Monday, March 1st. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And for a library of more than 250 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. We'll be back Tuesday. <laughs>